This is the Victory Podcast. Every week, we'll share an inspiring message about God's grace and forgiveness for you, wherever you're at in life. Your victory starts now. Let's pray. Lord God, open our eyes and open our hearts to see a new view of the amazing you. Captivate us with your truth and with your love. Transform our lives by your beauty and your glory. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. The crippling disease of polio is basically eradicated from the face of the earth due to the scientific and medical research of Jonas Salk, who came up with the polio vaccine. I'm told that every year about a half million Americans have open heart surgery, and this is all because of scientific research. This is Newton's first law. Every object exists in its state of rest or uniform motion in a straight line unless it's compelled to change that state by forces impressed on it. So what that means is that's why you and I can get on an airplane and fly, right? That's what's happening. That big heavy jet can get up in the air because we know of this law. For those of us here at the Ministry Center, we made it here today because of science. Things like catalytic converters and the vulcanization of rubber. For those of us worshiping online in our region, in our nation, and actually internationally, I don't know how that works, but it's science, all right? It's that science is an amazing and valuable gift. We lead lives of convenience and there are life-saving measures that are all a part of our lives because of science. And today, as Pastor Ben mentioned, we're continuing our series, Before You Lose Your Faith. And what we're gonna do today is we're gonna continue a conversation that we actually began about a year and a half ago. And it's a conversation that since that time that we started, you've continued to have this conversation with family and friends and inside your heart and your mind. It is this conversation, this struggle that's going on in there. Is science anti-Christian and is Christianity anti-science? Okay. And as we continue the conversation, I'm just going to be honest with you. I know you know this, but I'm just going to go ahead and state it, right? I don't know everything, okay? I am not a scientist. Furthermore, I am not God. But I am willing to continue to have the conversation with you, 
Okay, and I know that that Pastor Ben is too. And I, I know that some of you are going to have some questions and things that, that we're not going to talk about today. And maybe those things are better one-on-one. Or maybe you want some, some resources for that. Pastor Ben and I are, are glad and welcome to do any of those things. But today we continue the conversation because I know that for some of you and for some of the people that you know and love, struggling with your faith because of science and Christianity. And maybe you're a lot like that, that junior chemistry major who emailed her pastor and said, Pastor, how can I believe in creation when the things that I'm learning from the scientific world discredit it? You see, in her mind, and in a, in a lot of minds, it's become a, a black and white kind of thing. So on one hand, there are those who pray to God, believe in God, go to church. And then on the other hand, there are those who go to work in white lab coats, study theories, and document and record data. For so many, it's become a, an issue of faith or facts, okay? And we'll talk about that, right? So today, the, the question we want to ask and answer is, are science and the Christian faith opposites? Okay. And let's be honest about this, too. We, we often fall on different sides at kind of at the same time. So, for example, in my family, when my daughter got cancer, as a Christian, I can assure you, we prayed. I prayed a lot. But we also went to the doctors, right? The, the doctors who know about our bodies, the, the doctors who, who know about cancer and all of that. And in our case, and it's not like that in every case, but in our case, we got to that point where the doctors came to us and said, we can't do anything more. We have done everything that we can. And yet, my daughter is still alive on the face of the earth today. Okay. Now, on the other hand, think about like when a, a secular scientist, maybe, you know, or a science-believing person, they get that diagnosis of cancer. Well, they don't pray, right? But they do go to the doctor. And sometimes, not always, the doctor has to go to that person too and, and say, we can't do anything else. We've done all that we can. And I want you to know, in that case, at least sometimes, not always, but at least sometimes that, that person that just believes in science, they hope, they hope that there's something more. They maybe even hope that there is God. 
This struggle and, and this tension and everything, this, if you will, battle began about 400 years ago. In the age of enlightenment, from 1600 to, to 1800, there were all kinds of amazing scientific discoveries. So many life-changing things, right? And then some people, not all, but some people began to say, you know, through science, we can learn everything. And then in response to that, some Christians, not all Christians, but some Christians felt threatened, got really defensive and were insecure and tried to push away everything science related. And that's the battle and the tension that's still around today that is a part of your life and mine. And you know, uh, for a lot of us anyway, we've heard one side of that tension and that battle a whole lot more than the other side. For example, I can't imagine that any adult here or worshiping online hasn't heard the statement that faith is a cop-out. Okay. Richard Dawkins, uh, an atheist, said, Faith is a cop-out, the excuse to erode the need to think and evaluate evidence. Okay. Evaluating evidence. And yet, most secular scientists believe that human life came from a primordial soup. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like this, it, 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 human life came about this way, from the goo, to the zoo, to you, all right? There's no evidence of that. It's just what they believe, right? Other secular scientists believe that, that human life came onto the earth. It was a, a frozen life matter on an asteroid that hit the earth. And then since the earth has the, the perfect temperature for life to exist, we have life. It's, there's no evidence. It's what they believe. Okay. Stephen Hawking. Uh, considered to be one of the most brilliant people uh, while he was still alive, talking about the origin of life, said that we, we had to come from something greater, right? Something greater. And, and so in essence, he was just hitting on that law of science, the law of biogenesis, that life must come from life. Stephen Jay Gould, a professor at Harvard, evolutionary biologist and atheist, says this. And, and, and check out what, listen. To say it for my colleagues and for the umpteenth million time, science simply cannot, by its legitimate method, adjudicate the issue of God's possible superintendence 
of nature. We neither affirm or deny it. We simply cannot comment on it as scientists. So are science and the Christian faith opposites? It is secularism that is opposite of Christian faith. Not science. Secularism pushes God out. Now understand there are some secular scientists for sure, but it's secularism that pushes God out. Not science. Let's let's go on. Romans 1. Since what may be known about God is plain to them, because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. So what this is telling us, right, is is the Bible doesn't tell us, just shut your eyes and believe. The Bible says the opposite. Open your eyes, see, and believe how great God is. See God in the big and small, in the visible and the invisible, in the things that are close at home and things that we measure as light years away. Open your eyes, see, and believe. You see, science can actually point us to God. Jesus likes it when we study science because it can lead us to praise him. Think about it. If you're walking on the beach and you run across a book, it's so obvious, it's so self-evident, you probably don't even think about it. But when you get to that book, you know that that book has an author didn't just happen. When you open up your Spotify app and the music goes on, it is self-evident to you that there was a composer who made that music. And when you and I look at the earth, when we look at the world, this is what the scripture says, the heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. That's a picture from right outside these doors this past week. All the different colors, the lights, it looks like the trees are, you know, got lights on them and things like that. That's just God. It's just God having fun with light reflection and refraction and all kinds of things. Last Wednesday night, I was watching a a NOVA program and it was on black holes. It was about Sagittarius A and it was talking about the, the, the power and the force, the push and the pull, the speed of everything. And I was just blown away at thinking about how big God is. You see, sometimes we, we just, we make God so small 
right? Sometimes we wonder if God is big enough to, to handle the issues in our life. Sometimes we think that God is just concerned about earth. God is really, really big. He's immeasurably big. Francis Collins, PhD, former head of the Human Genome Project, former agnostic, now atheist, or now Christian, has written the book, The Language of God, and the, and the subtitle is, A Scientist Presents Evidence for Belief. Francis Collins knows more about DNA probably than anyone. And this is the book he wrote, The Language of God. You know, I don't know about you, but, but when I learn from science that our genetic makeup is already in place, our whole genetic makeup is already in place at the second of conception, that blows me away. When science tells me that at four weeks old in the mother's womb, the little baby, the, the structures that are going to form the, the head and the neck already going at it, that the heart and the blood vessels are, are being developed, and that the, the stomach and the liver and the lungs, those things are just starting to develop in that little bitty tiny thing. And then at eight weeks old in, inside the mother's womb, that you can already see the head and, and the eyelids and the ears and the tip of the nose. And you can see the arms and the legs. And, and keep in mind that baby is only a half inch in size and you can see all of those things. Just kind of blows me away. Did you know that if you could uncoil the DNA off of every one of your cells and stretch it out, if you could uncoil your DNA like that, do you know that it would reach all the way to Pluto and come back all the way and still have some left over? Scientists tell us that we have a, a genetic code of about 3.5 billion characters of data inside our bodies. See, those... Those facts lead me to praise God. The, the psalmist some 3,000 years ago didn't necessarily know about genetic code or DNA, but the psalmist knew this. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Are science and Christian faith opposites? 
Secularism is the opposite of Christian faith, not science. And science can point you to God. And there's more. There's a guy, Baruch Shalev. What Baruch did is, is he went in and he studied the Nobel Prize winners across the whole 20th century. Okay. And what he found out when it came to the, the Nobel Prize winners in the fields of physics and medicine, when he studied all those prize winners of the 20th century, what he found out was almost two-thirds of those people who won those Nobel Prizes in physics or medicine, almost two-thirds were Christian. But I bet you didn't know that. And I bet you assumed that they weren't. And when it comes to the fields of chemistry and peace, what Baruch found out was that 74% of Nobel Chemistry Award winners, 74% of them were Christian. And when it came to Nobel Peace Prize winners, when it, you took out the organizations that won, 78% were Christian. But I bet you didn't know that because we had this assumption that science was the opposite of Christian faith. Robert Boyle, the father of chemistry, he used to go on evangelistic lectures in the mission field, sharing the good news of Jesus. Blaise Pascal said that we only know God through Jesus Christ. Some of you will remember this and, and others of you will know a little bit about it from your science books and history books. But just over 50 years ago when Neil Armstrong and, and Buzz Aldrin and they, they landed on the moon, right? While they were in the lunar module waiting for the appropriate time, the scheduled time for them to go and walk out on the face of the moon, Buzz Aldrin, the astronaut, Buzz Aldrin, the doctor of science, took out communion and celebrated the Lord's Supper there. Quoting the words of Jesus from John 15, where Jesus said, I am the vine, you are the branches. But I bet you didn't know that, right? There was this assumption. See, are science and Christian faith opposites? It's secularism that's the opposite of Christian faith, not science. Science can point you to God and many scientists are Christian. See, science is a systematic knowledge of the physical and material world gained through observation and experience. In other words, science is really good at, at telling us the how things work. Science is good at opening up the hood of our car and, and telling us how it works. Science is also good at finding solutions for us, like in the medical field, in the, the field of 
technology. Again, you and I are exceedingly blessed through scientific discoveries. Science is a valuable gift to us from God. Science and the Christian faith aren't fundamentally different. They fundamentally answer different questions. See, science isn't all that good about telling us about human emotions and feelings and relationships or how to treat one another. Science can tell us about the brain chemistry and all of that, but just think about if, if your relationships are solely based on brain chemistry, I don't know how much fun you're going to be around. Science tells us about how things work. Christianity tells us how God works. Okay. Christianity tells us how the love of God works. And there is a lot of evidence and a lot of data points. And probably the greatest point of data and the greatest point of evidence of God's love is the intersection of Jesus' flesh on those two wooden beams on a cross outside of Jerusalem. Understand there's more proof of that, more data, more evidence of that event in history than there is that there was a guy named Julius Caesar around. God demonstrates his love to us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. See, part of the value of Christianity is that it answers those deep questions that we have in our lives. Why am I here? What's the meaning of life? What am I supposed to do? Christianity gives us those answers. Christianity shares with us that God loves the world and that his love will never fail. Christianity shares with us how we can live our lives in response to that love. Christianity lets us know that you and I get to be a part of an epic meta-narrative that transcends our life and light years and goes on for eternity. Christianity tells us what God did to redeem and reconcile people. People who are confused, people who are hurt, people who are broken, people who are arrogant, people who are proud, young people, old people, hurting people, rich people, poor people. What God has done to redeem all people. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. It's beyond light years. 
So here's where I want to land today, right? Science can point you to God. There are many Christian scientists. But don't put your faith in Christian scientists. Don't put your faith in my faith or Pastor Ben's faith or Pastor Bob's faith or Pastor Bivens' faith. We're just people. People mess up. People get things wrong. We need a savior too. Don't put your faith in your faith. Those of you who are Christians, you know how that is, right? Because sometimes your faith is really strong. And then the very next second, you get a phone call and your faith is like a smoldering wick. Put your faith in Jesus. He never fails. He never fails. This is what the scripture says of of Jesus from Colossians chapter one. The son, Jesus, is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For in him, all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authority, all things have been created through him and for him. Remember that whole book on the beach thing? He is before all things and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. The evidence and the data points. Put your faith in Jesus who said that he would die for the sins of the world and rise three days later and then did. Let's pray. Lord God, you are great and glorious. There are so many amazing and mysterious things. Captivate us with your mysterious and amazing and unconditional love that we find in Jesus. Lord God, we thank you for the discoveries that you lead us to find. Fields of science and medicine and education and technology. Open our eyes to see you in all things. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Victory Podcast, brought to you by Victory of the Lamb in Franklin, Wisconsin. 
For video sermon archives, more information about us, and to let us know how we can meet you where you're at, go to victoryofthelamb.com.